In today's message, Pastor Joel teaches us about lion-type boldness and power as we stand up to the enemy. At the same time, we need to be lamb-like to the people in the world in need of Jesus. We hope that you are encouraged as you join us in the message entitled, Lion and Lamb. Good morning. God bless you. You are here for a reason and a purpose today. You thought you came into the door by accident. Surprise! It says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And it doesn't mean a fast food order that they get wrong. And the hamburger, as my son says, does not look like the one on the menu. (laughs) What that means is that God has a purpose and a plan specifically made for your life. And the steps of your life, God has ordained out for you the best route, the shortest route for you to take. We don't always take it. But God has the best for you. And the ball is in your court. And all I can do and pastor can do and your Sunday school teachers and your elders can do is try to help you see that. When the tough times come, help you to remember and understand that though this storm is going on, it did not take God by surprise, no matter how bad of a storm it is. It did not take Him by surprise. And He is still in control He has not fallen off the throne. And I just want to pray right now because I feel the need to curse and bind a spirit of orphan, an orphan spirit. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of being an orphan, of being a fatherless child, a fatherless son, a fatherless daughter, a motherless son, a motherless daughter. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I break that spirit off of your people, Lord. I pray that, Father, when they leave here today, that they would know that they have a family that surrounds them. God, we are your hands, we are your feet, and we are your mouthpiece. And if we truly are, Lord, then there is a great responsibility that comes with that. God, it's going to cost us our time. It's going to cost us our energy. It may cost us our finances. But there is nothing more rewarding. And there is this is a bag that doesn't have holes, God. If we will just put into that, invest into these people, Lord, our time, Lord, our giftings, God. To, to lift them up, to let them know that you do have a Father here on this earth. You have a, whole, a heavenly Father in heaven, and He has put it on my heart to be a father figure to you, to be a brother to you, to be a friend to you, to be a sister to you, to be a mother figure for you, an aunt, an uncle. But Lord, I just know, Father, that you have knit this body together. You have knit this church together for such a time as this. Lord, and it is, we must strike while the iron is hot, God. And Father, the iron is white hot right now, God. And we must not back up. We must not falter. Now is not the time to let off. Now is not the time to throttle down. It is the time to throttle forward and say, no matter what, we're going full out for the Lord because we know that He is directing our path. It is not a time to stall. It is not a time for waiting. God, You have shown me very clearly, God, it is an absolute time for action, God. And Lord, I pray that Your people would be stirred to action today. That Lord, when they leave here today, they won't be the same, God, as when they came in. God, there will be a boilermaker inside of their gut, God. There will be a force, a fire within their belly, Lord, that will cause them to go out and seek out the lost, Lord. That will cause them to call their brothers and sisters in Christ and say, I love you. Is something wrong? Do you need to talk? I'm here for you 24-7, Lord. And not only to tell them, Lord, but we'll put up, Lord, and we'll give them our number and we'll say anytime, anytime, day or night, call me. You are not alone. You are not an orphan. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. This sermon came to me uh actually came to me Tuesday morning, and God had been working it out in my mind, and I thought He was just doing it for me. Um, and then when Pastor called me, then things started to fall into place, and it started to make sense at that time, because uh, I've learned, if I've learned nothing else, I've learned that when God tells me something like that, just hold on to it sooner or later, it'll come to fruition, it'll come to pass, and He'll work it out. I don't always understand why God causes me to do things sometimes. But I had to learn to just trust Him and do it. And then I saw it. Faith is believing and then seeing. Faith is not seeing and believing. All right, we're going to... This all started in Proverbs. So you can turn there if you'd like. Proverbs chapter 3. 
think I told my gave my guys the right scripture. I don't know. I'm a little bit hoarse because in intercessory prayer this morning I prayed myself hoarse. That was a good thing. Those of you that might not know about some manifestations of the Spirit, a manifestation of the Spirit is simply your natural body reacting to the presence of Almighty God. Your body, your flesh is made up of something that can absorb the presence and the glory of God. We know this because Moses went up on the mountain and his body was literally sustained for 40 days and 40 nights. That is impossible. He had no food or water. Yet he lived sustained in the glory of the living God. The thing that created is greater than the thing created. The thing that created sustains the thing that is created. And so when Moses came back off the mountain, not only was he healthy, but the, the glory, the Shekinah, the weighty kabod of God was on him to the point that his face was showing brightly. So brightly, in fact, that the people, the Israelites, could not look upon him and he had to wear a veil. You are unique. You are made up of God-absorbing substance. You just need to realize that. And I just, I pray that for you. And, and, and when I was saying about praying this morning in intercessory prayer, my voice was kind of crackly. It's crackly now. But it, I started getting shaky, and, and, and it wasn't because I didn't eat my oatmeal. And um, I kept getting shakier and shakier, and I went to the restroom, and I tried to, you know, shake it off. And, and I was trying to shake it off here, but it just, it was... For those of you who may not be familiar with that, it's not something weird. It feels a little weird the first time it happens to you. But it's the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the presence of the Lord showing up. And my flesh saying, whoa, that's the thing that created me. That just walked into this room. And my body doesn't know how to deal with that. So if you see me a little shaky up here, it's not because my blood sugar is low or I didn't eat my oatmeal, and I just wanted to get that out of the way because I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to hear completely what I would say to you this morning, what the Lord would say. Uh, I had been out of work for three months. Never been out of work like that, ever. And I had a really bad shoulder surgery thing going on. And uh, so I'd been off of, I do body repair, and I'm on concrete all day long. My job's very intensive, strenuous, rough on your joints. So after three months of being off, I went back to work Monday. <laughs> Monday night, my, my ankles, my knees, my hips, my back, my shoulders were saying, what were you thinking? <laughs> we thought you wised up. What did you do? And I was hurting, you know, really bad. And just, you know, normal stuff from being a man of maturity. And... Um, that morning, uh, the following morning, Tuesday morning, I'm driving into work, and I'm pulling up to Parham Road exit and to get on Parham Road, and uh, there's this Dodge thing in front of me, and the license plate says three and some words and then five. And I'm like, that's weird. Because you know? people do, they like, make really weird license plates, you know. You think about them all day, middle of the night, you jump up in the bed and goes, oh, and your wife's like, what's wrong with you? That's what that license plate meant, right? You've been there. So I'm like, uh-huh, six cups of coffee won't enough. I get almost down, halfway down, Paramount hits me. Ah, oh, Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will direct your path. And so that set me on a thing that day, that Tuesday. So I get to work, and... Because I'm right now, I don't recommend this, so don't go home, you teenagers, and tell your moms that Pastor Joel told you to drive and read the Bible at the same time. That's me, not you. <laughs> but I'm riding down the road down Param, I'm like, Proverbs 3, 5, and I'm flipping through the Bible. And you know how easy these little paper-thin pages are to turn, right? And, and I get, I'm like, oh, duh, yeah, okay, cool. So I close it, I go on to work. I'm at work, and I'm like, oh. So I pull in this car, and it's not a particular car that I like to work on. It's very annoying. I won't say the brand name because I don't want to get letters. And, uh, and I get in the car to get the paint code because it's very important to get the paint code. And here's this little metal note thing, and right on it says Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. I'm like, okay, I got it. I got it. You know, 
like, uh, you know, the guy on Despicable Me. I got it. I got it. And so it just from there, I just started doing word studies all this week during lunch. And it just led to this sermon. And so I wanted to start with this verse. And so the, this mature guy is going to put his glasses on. And I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Chapter 3 of Proverbs says, My son, or daughter, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Why your heart? Why not your mind? Because your mind is your enemy. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What is coming out of your mouth? Doubt, distraction, subversion, dissension, jealousy, gossip. So if you will let not but let your heart keep my commands. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And we know that the words have creative power. It says, For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the table or tablet of your heart. Why your heart and not your mind? Your mind is your enemy. If it is written on your heart, it's better than stone because stone is dead. And this is eternal. This is eternal. My flesh will die, but my soul, my heart, my will, my emotions will live for an eternity. And we're about eternity and the business of eternity. And it says, let not them. Just bind them, write them on the table of your heart, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Now... When I saw this, you know, because when I read uh, Proverbs 3, 5, obviously, being a good student of the Word that I'm trying to be, I learned to go before that Scripture and after it and get the full context of what's being said. And so that's what happened. And I saw that word truth. And that word truth there is an awesome word. It's not just, well, I told the truth. That's not what that word is. It is emet, emet. And that word emet means stability, rightness, derived from a verb. It's, it's, it's an action. I mean, it's truth. It means to be firm, permanent, and conveys a sense of dependability. People need you to be dependable. There are people whose lives are falling apart, and as a believer, they need you to be there for them, to be firm for them, to be ready. And if this word truth, emet here, what's interesting about it is the Hebrew word emet, truth, it, the first letter of it, the middle letter, and the last are the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, the middle letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and the last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And what the rabbis, the, the Jewish teachers will tell you is that all of God's word, the beginning, the last, and everything in between is built upon an immovable, permanent, dependable truth that is not just static and stale, but is a verb. It is showing action. It is cause and effect. It is doing something. So if God is all about action and cause and effect, we can't be fungus on a stump. We can't be sitting still. Not and be a disciple. Because a disciple is a noun verb. To be a disciple, you must make disciples. And making a disciple... Do you understand? It's not that uh, complicated. One of the most important things you can do in making a disciple is being available for someone in need. Give them your number. Call them. Them call you. Anytime you need to talk to me, I'm here. I'm here. Because if we are God's hands and we are His feet, then we need to be available. And I, I won't say, I'm not supposed to say shut up. I'm supposed to say hush, but the little ones are gone. So put up or shut up. That's kind of what God wants from me as a mature believer. From, as a mature believer. Now, I know better. I'm not talking to new Christians or babes in Christ. I'm talking to mature believers. If you've been fungus on a stump, it's time to move on. Okay? Mushrooms are good, but, you know, they ain't as good as a steak. And cows move around. All right? That's just the way God talks to me. I'm sorry. Truth, And that verse 3 there, it says, let not, mercy, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Is that for your good? 
No, I've mistakenly read that wrong for myself. God told me, he said, that mercy and that truth that you're to bind around your neck, Joel, is like a, it's like a Leatherman tool. It's a do-anything. You can pull engine out of a truck with a Leatherman, you know, almost. I've tried. It's, it's something you bind around your neck as a mature believer to take and use at a moment's notice because you never know when, when tragedy is going to strike someone. Yeah. And tragedy is relative. Yeah. Tragedy for me could be the loss of a loved one. It could be one of my children sick. Tragedy for you could be the loss of your job. Do you understand where I'm going? So you need to have mercy and truth bound around your neck, ready at any given moment to speak into the lives of a hurting people. Christians hurt just as much as the lost. So we need to have mercy and truth available all the time to use as a tool. It's a tool for us to use to help others. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, stability, rightness. It conveys a sense of dependability. Who am I? What am I? The title for this sermon today is Lions and Lambs, and I'm going to get to that in a second. So... But as you read on down, you continue down through Proverbs and verse 5, trust in the Lord. And then, and then verse 6, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. That word direct is yashar. Yashar is also a verb. It's an intensive form of a verb. It doesn't mean God just pointing you in this direction or that direction and letting you get there on your own. That word, Yashar, means, direct, means literally to go out in front of you and stomp down mountains and kick stumps out the way. And the only thing God leaves in the way are things that He knows that you can overcome. He said He would not tempt you, or not tempt you, but He would not let you uh, sin. You know, you're going to be tested above what you're able to overcome. And so God, the, 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 the sense there is not just God saying, Joel, go over that way. It's God saying, come on, Joel, let's go this way. It's an intensive verb, and it's saying, I'm going to direct your path. We're kicking that out the way. There's no way you can handle it. We're going to knock that back because there's no way you can handle that. That you can get. Because understand, I've got you by my right hand. And I hold you with a strong right arm, God says. And so that's what the, the, the sense of that verse there is. And when I read that and I looked at that, I was like, no, oh, man, that's like far out, dude. And He shall direct your path. He will go before me. He's not a God whose arm is not shortened that He cannot save. He's not a God that is distant. He is imminent. He's close, near at hand. And it doesn't matter what you're facing, I'm telling you, God is on your side. Everybody with me? Alright. Just checking. I don't know if you ate your oatmeal or not. I gotta not pray so loud next time. I have to get somebody up here to hold me up here in a minute. Because there is an anointing here this morning. There's a power here in this house because this is a house of prayer. It's a hospital for the hurting. It is a depot for those who are going out into ministry. And I'm telling you that God has put many of the leaders of this church and I was I was talking to Tony a little earlier, and, and, and I just began to see his face and, and Gary and, 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 you know, Rob and some, a lot of you guys, I'm going to miss your names, but a lot of you guys, Pat and, and just Jimmy and, and Jim and all you guys who have been with us and, 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 and Mr. Coleman, all you guys have been with us from the beginning. You know, you've stuck in here through a lot of tough times, you know, because it was for a purpose. We went through a lot, all of us. We've been through a lot. And the reason is, the reason is, so we can stand when that person is going through some rough stuff and say, look, man, you, I made it. God sustained me. He gave me something that I could not get on my own. And I'm here to tell you He's going to give it to you because He's no respecter of persons. And we're here for you. I, my, my cell phone number... Is eight zero four six nine eight 
888-888-0772. Okay? I give that out because my calling in life is to minister to the brokenhearted whether they are lost or saved. That's exactly what it is. A new sister in the Lord handed me something earlier when I was meeting and greeting and stuff because it's hard to meet and greet sometimes to get a chance to. And It was a little piece. And, and uh, I said, well, what's that? What well, fell off the chair? Well, it reminded me as a mature <coughs> adult that I'm at that season in my life where things are falling off of me. <laughs> and I thought, well, isn't that ironic that I'm in the gluing it back on business? That's what we are, gluing hearts back together. Because God uses cracked pots, is what Patsy Claremont said. Because you know, a a pot glued back together with some cracks, you think, oh, that thing, you can still see the cracks, but when you stick a light inside, man, the light just shines out the cracks. What you think of as a scar that don't look pretty, I'm here to tell you the battles you're going through right now, God is, you're going to be a light on a hill, a city on a hill. We are the temple. We are the dwelling place of the living God. And all of those cuts and all those scars, some of them done by your own family members are Christian brothers in Christ. God is saying, I'm going to heal them, but I'm going to leave it so that the light inside of you, the Holy Spirit will shine out. And you'll say, brother, sister, you keep crawling. I'm going to get down there and crawl with you. You know, I'm here for you. I've been there. You're there now. You can make it. And we have got to have that kind of sincere love. We've got to figure out who we are. Why lions and lambs? My wife gave me the title of the sermon. She didn't even know it. We were hauling off. I don't know why, but we accumulate stuff. Constantly. It's not her doing it. I don't know why. I don't particularly want to accumulate stuff. It just comes to my house. And it's junk, you know. And So we were doing a trash run. And luckily, we did get stopped because, there, I mean, nothing blew off. But I'm like, oh, we had trucks loaded. Well, we're sitting there, and the wind was whipping yesterday. And I said, well, I guess March is going to come in like a lion, and hopefully it'll leave like a lamb. You ever heard that? Well, I was born March 15, 1966. I struggled a long time with who I am, what I am. I'm a lion and a lamb. And it's ironic, and it's, it's no accident or happenstance the way God speaks to me that I am both lion and lamb. I was born in the month of it. Never know what you're going to get. Right? The old Forrest Gump analogy. But the problem that you have, some of you believers, the reason why you're still double-minded, you've not said it in your heart who you are, what you are. We need to be both lions and lamb. We have to have unshakable courage and ferocity. And we have to never back up and storm the gates of hell. We have to always be there standing and not be silent. But we also have to have the heart of a lamb for those who have broken hearts and broken lives and come alongside them and say, I'm here for you. When they're down on their knees, and they're weeping, and they're crying, their back is exposed. And they can't get over it. Not yet. They're too young. They haven't walked like you've walked. They haven't floated across the deep water and swum and and seen the deep, dark things of God. It said that Moses drew near the thick darkness where God was. He did not draw back in fear. The Israelites didn't. And they missed out on a personal face-to-face relationship with the living God. They said, Moses, you speak to God for us. But Moses went into the, the, the deep things of God. Some of you have been into the deep things of God. But they're not there yet. And they're down on their knees. And they're like, God, I need my finances touched. God, my family, there's health issues. Lord, my, my wife has cancer. My mother has this. This is going on. My teenager's on drugs. My daughter's pregnant. Whatever it is, and they need you because their back is exposed. And what you need to do is step up behind them and put your back to their back and say, I'm a lion right now. I'm a lion out here interceding 
and praying for them and fighting back the darkness while I'm a lamb to them when I turn around. Because it says of the men that served Nehemiah and built back the wall, that as they worked, they had a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. And you need to understand that sometimes you're just going to have to work as a Christian building his kingdom with a brick in one hand and a sword in the other. And that's just the way it is. I had a dream. I, got, I was privileged to go. And what, what all, it kind of just all ran into this. Because in struggling with who you are in Christ, you will be double-minded. And the reason why you're double-minded is because you're looking inward. You have no eternal picture, no eternal view. You don't see the others outside of you whose lives are literally being just torn apart. And you look, if you can ever look outward, you can see that people, they're so worse off than you. And what that does for you, and I don't say that to you, Shane, because I've been there. I've been the woe is me guy. I might be there next week. I'm human. But the reality of it is, is that I know differently now. So I may not linger as long in that inward looking. And so we, we're double-minded because we don't know what we are and who we are. We look inward. And if we can ever settle it in our mind, I am, a, I am both lion and lamb, and I serve the king. And I am here for an eternal purpose. And we can look outside of ourselves. We see people who are hurting. You will see people you never saw before. You will meet people in the store. You, people will call you. You'll be around people. They'll come up to you. I had guys come up to me saying, my life is falling apart. I'm like, I thought you had it made. Why did you come to me? Does it say Dear Abby on my forehead? These are guys I worked with. You know? Why? Because... The Lord suddenly had opened my eyes and let me see the eternal ramification of what's going on all around me. And it helps me to forget this thing, this storm that's inside. It quiets it because it causes the lion inside to say, that's not right. That's an injustice. Devil, you can't do that to that family. I pray for them. You'll find yourself praying more for others than you do for yourself. You'll forget to pray about your things. And before you know it, your things have already been took care of. How do I know this? Been there, done that. Got the scars to prove it. And and so if you can ever get a hold of that, guys, it's going to help you stop being double-minded. When I was in India, I was very fortunate to go there. Bishop, he treats you like, you know, you're just this honored guest, you know. And he introduced me as... Brother Joel has guru, with a guru, which means wise one. And I'm looking at him like, okay. I had like a 50-pound reef of flowers on me, wanting to be over with the pastor, sitting in the little plastic chairs. No, you're going to be up here on the big boy stage. And I'm like, oh, my God. You know, and in India, though, I was ministered to way more than I ministered. And while I was there, I had a powerful dream. And I was upstairs that night, and I was asleep. And in my dream, I was walking down a road, and it was, you know, not tall grass or anything. And I was walking along, and I started hearing this roaring sound in the distance. And as I got further down the road, the grass started getting higher and higher and higher. And I could hear the sound getting closer, the roaring. And... As I was walking, I started walking faster and faster and faster. And pretty soon I'm running. Well, some of you may not know uh, Lawton King or, or, or D. King, but they're the couple of, of members of our church, and they had went. They're our connection there in India, and they were with us. I heard D. King's voice in my dream say, Joel, are you running to the lion or from it? And at that time, I was in a full-blown run. The grass was over my head, and I could see it moving in front of me. And I could hear that thing. And it was getting closer and closer. And I'm running as hard as I can. And all at once, this lion just rears up out the grass just like this. And I jumped up at the same time. He's going, 
and I'm going, ah, and we hit, whoa, just like that. And I set up bones straight in the bed going, okay, okay, whoa, I guess I was running to the lion. Because whether it is the devil that roams about like a roaring lion, which means he is not a lion, he doesn't have the power and strength of the Lion of Judah, or whether it is the Lion of Judah, I need to be running to both of them. I'm running at the like a lion with the clenched fist and gritted teeth saying, you're not going to take this one. They're a member of our church family, bless God, and you will not have them on my watch. Where are the watchmen? Have they grown weary? Have they grown tired? Have they grown fearful? Are you scared to watch anymore by yourself in the night season? Have you watched so long that you are sleep depraved? And we get tired and we fall asleep. The watchmen cannot fall asleep. Some of you are watchmen. Some of you have been watchmen and you've grown tired. I asked the Lord at this altar one night by myself, and the Spirit and the power of God, had I not been on my knees, would have knocked me to my knees. I was praying, and the watchman kept coming to my head, and I, I cried out. I was weeping. I said, but yeah, Lord, but okay, I'm watching, but who watches for the watchman? And man, it was like a trumpet blast of air in the back of my neck. It hit me. He said, know you not that I am your rear guard. Just like that. God is my witness. And I began to weep and shake. And I said, I'm sorry, Lord, for my... Forgive me for doubting. Forgive me for my lack of faith. Let that man that doubts in his heart, he's like a wave of the sea. Tossed about. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. First John, verse 8. James 1, verse 8. I'm sorry. And I could just, I was like, all right, Lord, you're my rear guard. You watch the watchman. You strengthen the watchman. You send other watchmen along beside of him because they're, they're part of that. And they know, they see the symptoms. And they say, hey, brother, you doing okay, man? Because we need you, right? You know we need you. And there's some of you that have never been a watchman, but it's in your heart to be one. It's time for you to step out. Get off the, the stump. And start becoming a watchman. Start giving your number out to folks that you know. Some of you men, other men in this church, they need you. They need you. I'm available. I will make myself available. Anybody, anytime they need help. Ladies, me and my wife will sit down with you. My wife will sit down with you. Pastor Jeannie, Pastor Bernie, we're here. But I'm telling you, there's a multitude coming. Yeah. There's some in here. Yeah. A lot in here. And they need you. Yeah. We've got to be there for one another. Yeah. You've got to be a lion and a lamb. Are you running to the lion or from it? To the lion or from it? James chapter 1, verse 8 says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. James 4, I'm going to turn there. I think I can find it. Man, I'm thirsty. James chapter 4, verse 7. Yeah, I thought I had it. Bear with me, y'all. There it is. It's talking about humility. Before that, it says, God resists the proud, proud, but gives grace to the humble. And verse 7 says, Therefore, or because of the fact that God resists the prideful, because He does resist them, therefore submit yourself to God. Resist the devil. Be a lion. Stand there. Resist him. He's a barking dog with no teeth. He is a Jesus said, and he is not a man that he would lie. I had the key of death, hell, and the grave. All power is given unto me, both in heaven and in earth. 
You are an ambassador. You are a representative sent by Jesus Christ. You have His authority. You have the power of attorney to stand in the face of the devil and say you cannot cross the bloodline. And the blood is on me. And I'm standing in the gap for this person. Come on a little closer and see what happens to you. Get mad with it. Show your teeth. You got teeth. Holy Ghost teeth. Never need cleaning. Never need brushing. Always white and shiny. Yeah. Holy Ghost teeth to smile at those who need a smile. Love on them. And turn around and ah, bite the devil's head off. That's Holy Ghost teeth. Resist the devil. Don't be afraid. He's a wimp. The Scripture actually says that when that day comes, y'all going to walk by him. Kings are going to walk by him and look at him and say, You're it? You're the one that fooled the nations and shook kings? You? Hollywood has tainted your belief system. You have an ungodly belief system tainted by Hollywood. Demons dragging people across the floor, spitting out green junk. Give me a break. Holy water burning on people and stuff. Let me tell you something. I looked a boy square in the eyes and seen a demon in him. And it had to leave. It had no choice. It could not fight me or argue with me. It had to shut up and leave because Jesus told it so through me. I didn't. Jesus did. That thing was gone. And that ah, Holy Ghost teeth turned into a smile for that young man. You need to realize that. What are you? You're a hybrid. You're lying in land. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinner. You sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You double-minded. How are you going to purify your heart? How? You want to stop being double-minded? How? By understanding what you are. It settles the thing. It's over. It's done. I'm a servant of the living God. I work on cars to buy Walmart stuff. I don't want to be a body man. You ever had a welding slag go down your tennis shoe? Go ray day. You cannot get your shoe off fast enough, third degree burns. And you know your coworkers are so sympathetic. <laughs> ah, you big dummy. <laughs> you come in next day limping, got a bandage on your leg. Ah, you sissy. <laughs> come on. I'm like, I thought middle school ended. It don't end. It is what I do to buy groceries. It is not who I am. I tell you guys, there's so much peace in knowing who I am. There's a finality to it. There's an expectation of great things. There's a clarity to vision. There's a disdain for the lukewarm. There's a literal disdain for being lukewarm. I don't ever want to be that again. I would rather be dead. I've been that way. I've been tossed to and fro. I've been fixed between two opinions. Never do I want to go there again. And by the grace of God, I feel I've learned my lesson. I know who I am. Hallelujah. Turn over to 1 Peter. Chapter 1, verse 22. Sincere. Verse 22. 1 Peter chapter 1. On towards the back of your book there. Getting close to the good stuff. Revelation stuff. Stuff to make movies about. Verse 22 says, Since you have been purified... What do we say? Purify your hearts. We purify our hearts, you double-minded. Alright? Since that's happened, since you know who you are, since it's been settled in you, 
since you have been purified, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, which is a, a verb, okay, an intensive verb, too, with direct. It's all it all comes together. <clears throat> your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. You can't love your brother per- fervently with a pure heart when you're double-minded. Why? Because your problems are more important to you than theirs. You're double-minded. You don't know what you are. You are a child of God, ordained, appointed by Him to be a defender of the fatherless, the orphan and the widow. Some of you are orphaned in spirit. You've got a mom and dad or you had one. Maybe they weren't good to you. I don't know. It doesn't matter. God can change all that. He brought you to this place to give you a family. A family that's family tree is traced all the way back to the living God. There is no generational curse to break in this family. You come here to break that off of you. And you become a part of a family tree that has a history that has no beginning and will have no end. He goes on to say there, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, that's perishable, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. You've been born again to live forever. There is an eternity within you. There is a seed that does not die, that does not perish, that does not pass away, that you can pass on to someone else. There is a well of living water that has eternity in it. And Jesus told the woman at the well, if you knew who were speaking to you, you would ask me for a drink of water because of the water I give... You thirst no more. The same water is within you as a Holy Ghost-filled believer. Who are you? What are you? Are you lion and lamb? That word sincere there? (laughs) Anapocritos. Anapocritos. You know what we get from that word? Hypocrisy. Hypocrisy in the Greek form originally denoted a play actor. Falsehood. This is who I am playing. Hypocrisy. Hypocritos. Anapocritos is the negative of it. Anti-hypocrisy. That word sincere is anapocritos. It means literally... uh, It means to be sincere... It's not play acting. It means to be without hypocrisy. It is. It signifies a sincerity that is void of pretension and without putting on an act. Sincere love for the brethren. You can't have sincere love and concern when you're tossed to and fro in your mind because you're double-minded about who you are in the Lord. One last scripture. Getting getting late. Well, Pastor said y'all shouldn't be worried about getting out of here getting that tuna fish sandwich, so I don't know. We said that, I didn't. He the boss. <laughs> y'all worried about a tuna fish sandwich. Some of his belly's growling. I can hear it. No, nah, my hearing's going too, like these pieces falling off. <laughs> I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 58. Oh, boy. You need to go home and read the whole chapter 58 of Isaiah. You need to read the whole book of Isaiah. It's like running over with Jesus stuff. It's what we call a messianic prophecy. It's just full of it. Isaiah chapter 58. Theological guys call him a major prophet. Verse 9. All before that, the people are being admonished for their sin and their lack of true religion, true genuineness. And he goes on, he says up here in the early verses that I've not chosen a fast for you just for show. Is this a fast I've chosen for you, a day to afflict your flesh? You put on sackcloth, which is a scratchy coat garment, and you throw ashes up in the air, and 
you pray and you don't eat and all this stuff. You make sure everybody sees you. Look at me. You know, I got all my Jesus stuff on. You know, and he's saying, that's not what I've chosen for you. If you look up there, let's jump up there for a second. Verse uh, 4, he says, Indeed, you fast for strife and debate. I'm a better Christian than you are. Nah, 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 nah. And you fast to strike with the fist of wickedness. I can't believe you're involved with that. Oh, ho, ho. Memory lapse there? Got a little amnesia? Do you remember what you were like in B.C. times before Christ? Huh? Strike with the fist of wickedness. Is that why you're fasting? No. He says, you will not fast as you do this day to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. You, not God. You. If you jump on down there to verse 9, it says, if you will do this, you know, if you will bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh, Then your light will break forth like the morning. Your healing shall spring forth speedily. And your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. I didn't, hadn't read that verse. It never had jumped out to me until I was standing here that day. It's been years ago when the Lord, I was like, who watches the watchman? Who's watching my back? God is. If I'm looking out for His interest, He's looking out for mine. Verse 9 says, Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and He will say, Here I am. If you take away the yoke, bondage. That's what that word yoke means there, literally bondage. If you take away the, the bondage from your midst, the pointing of the finger and the speaking of wickedness. Now, last time I talked to you all, I talked about that pointing finger. You remember? Do you remember? When I'm pointing my finger, what's happening to the other three? Oh, Lord. This guy right here, he's the church of Laodicea. He's lukewarm. Oh, look, am I pointing forward or back? He's the squirrel. If curiosity killed the cat, indecision killed the squirrel. Right? You ever seen him? Going down the road, and you, the squirrel, he's got it. He's on the other side of the road. But the big dummy turns and runs back across. Roadkill. We're eating good tonight. He's the thumb. You don't want to get run over in the road, y'all. God don't want you to be lukewarm. And I told you how that, if I will begin to, one at a time, take out those things and say, you know what? I have that thing in me just in a different level. And I got that. Then I've got that. Then I've got a hand that can reach out. I can't reach nobody like this. That's an accusation. This is a helping hand. And there's a proof scripture for God telling you, don't be pointing your finger and wagging in somebody's face. Because it says, I will take away from your midst the pointing of the finger and speaking wickedness. If you extend your soul to the hungry, what's a soul got to do with eating? He's not talking about bread right there. He talked about bread in the previous verses. He's saying if you will pour out of yourself. Did you know it's easy for me to make you a sandwich and feed you than it is to pour out of my inner being? But God's saying, yeah, give him a sandwich, but don't stop there. Now, he'll listen better if he's got a full stomach. So give him a sandwich and then pour out of yourself into his soul. He's hungry. He needs somebody to talk to. He needs a hand to lift him up. She needs somebody to talk to. Things are just falling apart. And God is wanting some of you mature believers, He's telling you it's time for you to step up and recognize who you are. You've been praying and saying, God, 
why don't I, what is this? I'm torn from one direction to the other. Now, you've been serving the Lord a long time. You're like, I'm in and out. I'm hot and I'm cold. And God is saying, you don't know what you are. You're being pulled in two different directions. And I'm trying to get you to pull yourself inside out. Because when we take the inside and we put it on the outside, we're for real. And we make ourselves vulnerable, but we make ourselves available. Love is spelled R-I-S-K, risk. And it is a four-letter word. Because it's not easy to love like that, to open yourself up raw. But it's what God did for you. Literally, the sinew of His back and the bowels in His stomach were open to the air. We have documented the great church historian Eusebius documented. He witnessed floggings. And that is what took place. Literally, Jesus was opened up inside out for you. Not only in the flesh, but also in the spirit. He went to hell. Took your sin upon you. And He said, no servant is better than his master. If they hated me, they'll hate you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Take it as a given. Understand who you are. Be a lion and also a lamb. Can you do that? Are you willing to do that? Will you do that? We need you to. There are people who are hungry. They're hurting. They, I'm telling you, man, I have been so desperate before. I felt like I had nobody I could talk to, and there was a multitude of people that I could have called. But the enemy had surrounded me, and he had tried to, he just surrounded me on all sides. And I know that God was keeping me through this now. I didn't then. But it was to show me that God's got a plan and let me know what it feels like to feel like you don't have a living soul in the world to talk to. And it's not a place you want to be. And so my plea to you is if you are a new believer, if you're lost and you need somebody to talk to, this is the place for it. We want you to stay and be healed and grow in the Lord so that you can do the same for somebody else. The the board elders, they can't do it all. pastor can't do it all. I can't. I'm going to try. I'm going to make myself available. We need you to. We need you all to step up. And the others who need somebody to come around them, don't be afraid to, to ask. I need to talk. It's private. It's confidential. So, don't stand to your feet. I reckon that's about it.